You might have to get a little stool, baby. <laughs> well, we're getting ready to start. And there, one of the things, the areas that we want to start, begin to talk in is ultimately what, what God's plan is, what God's direction is in regard to our marriage. When we look at what God's doing and how God moves in our lives, marriage begins in the book of beginnings. Genesis chapter 2, we see it. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. By the way, when God told that to Adam, who was his father and mother? He didn't have any. He didn't have any in the physical sense. So who was the Lord laying that out for? You and me. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, that there's a separation, a leaving that occurs, and be joined to his wife. That word for joining, it, it literally means to cling together, that they stick together like glue. That For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two, listen, shall become one flesh. Now, sometimes we get the idea that that becoming one flesh occurs when we said, I do, especially guys. I remember thinking that right after our wedding, after we said I do, then it was done. That was the hard part. Getting Kathy to that place, that's what took all the work. Now it's time to pick up my feet and coast. We're married, right? Guilt-free sex. You know, it was motivation. Where's, where, where's our motivation? What are we looking at? What is the, the thing that we're looking for most in our marriage? Well... I thought it became, it happened right then. But see, the scripture says you become one. Little by little, time passes by, and we become one. Now, when the scripture lays out for us that phrase, the two shall become one, it also tells us that the Lord created us. Male and female, he created them. Scripture lays out for us that we're not the same. And oftentimes, we get together, we sit down, we, we start our marriage, and I spent, we spent probably the first maybe 10 years of our marriage trying to figure out how to turn the other person into me or her. <laughs> trying to figure out how, what can we do to make you like me, because your thinking's all screwed up. <laughs> and we need to get that all squared away, because I don't understand all the time where you're coming from. But you see, the Bible lays out that we are different. Paul told us in the book of Corinthians that in marriage you will have conflict. He doesn't say it's a bad thing. He says you will have conflict. How do we deal with our marriage? How do we deal with the conflict? How do we deal with the realities that we're not the same? Every couple who comes to my office says, Jackie, I want to get married, I want to get married. Why do you want to get married? We have so much in common. And then when the couples come to my office and say, Jackie, we're in trouble and and I, I think maybe we ought to get divorced. Well, why? What's the matter? We don't have anything in common. Really? Because you guys give me that same speech earlier about all the stuff you had in common. The reality is what brings us together? The fact that we see in someone else the strengths that we don't have. But those same strengths, those same things that are different in one another begin <clears throat> to just grate on us. The great on us about why would you do such a thing in such a way? Well, we have a choice in our differences to learn to be waffles and spaghetti together. Learn to be celebrating our differences. 
You notice we didn't serve you waffles and spaghetti at the same time. <coughs> that doesn't sound so good. But we learn to enjoy and celebrate the things that are different. What's different between the two? Well, listen. This morning, my wife loves me so much, she made me my world-famous uh, breakfast sandwich, you know, with the moldy bread, only with real bread this time. <coughs> Somebody gave me unmoldy muffins, so I wouldn't use moldy ones anymore. So, so we, we used real muffin, and she made it for me, and I was all excited. And I went out there, and I sat down at the table to eat my, my world-famous, incredible breakfast sandwich. And my world-famous, incredible breakfast sandwich had been Kathyized. I know. You, you're with me, brother. <clears throat> so, there wasn't cheddar cheese. There was, what kind was that? Monster. Monster cheese. Monster. Oh, same difference. Monster cheese instead of cheddar cheese. And then instead of ham, there was bacon bits. And, and I, when I first walked out, now th- this is going to seem stupid, but I first walk out and I look at it and I'm like, oh. I thought for a minute, I think I'll just make myself a, a sandwich. Well, she's doing her hair. She don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> So I look at it and I think, and then I realize, you know what? This is such a great picture of how we function in our differences sometimes. Because what I need to look and see in that sandwich, it was great, by the way. I ate it, and it was killer. It wasn't that it was bad. But I had this idea in my mind of what it was going to be, and then I had the reality of what it was. <coughs> and when we, when we learn to, to reconcile those two things, and we say, you know what? My, my wife loves me. Who knows why, but she does. And she made me a breakfast sandwich out of the goodness and the the love in her heart. And receiving it, and this is going to be key for us all day today, receiving it and recognizing that there was not some conspiracy behind the sandwich. And she was saying, I'm not making it his way, I'm going to make it my way. Because sometimes that's how we view our differences. Instead, we've got to look at it And turn it around and say, you know what? I'm not going to impute to my wife ill will. I'm not going to say she did this to try. I I need to impute to her goodwill. That she did this because she loves me. And all of a sudden, it's no big deal. At all. And and I sit down and and enjoy this killer. In fact, I might have to change mine now. But this killer breakfast sandwich. Because I allow my attitude to be one that says, even though it's not the same. Even though it's different than what my mindset was, it's still good. But the key in that is not to impute ill will. Remember that. Not to impute ill will. The one who loves me has only the best for me in mind. When God works in our life, does he work to destroy us? No. And the relationship that God has with us, you know he compares to a marriage, right? Between a man and a woman. So he says, this is the mystery of your relationship with me in, a, in the relationship of marriage. Don't look at one another and assume that what's happening in the differences between one another is the idea that we have a hate or discontent or evil in mind when something occurs. Now, as we take a look at the differences, one of the other things we discover about the differences is that men are waffles. Men being waffles means we think in boxes. We like boxes. Think about your life, man. What in your life is not a box? 
A truck is a box. A bed is a box. A computer is a box. Most things that I like are boxes. And in my life, I like my stuff in boxes. And I like my stuff in boxes, and then I like to close that box and go to another box and open that box. My life is compartmentalized. It's like this. You guys ever bought Christmas tree lights? My favorite kind of Christmas tree lights is the kind that you could run over with your car and pop four or five bulbs, but you don't have to look for them because it lights anyway. That is what being compartmentalized is. That's the beauty of, of that everything not being inter- integrated together. And so in that non-integration, uh, I can plug it in. Things are a little crazy, but everything else still comes on. Everything stays in its proper place. Everything fits in a box. However, women are like spaghetti. You want me to explain it? Oh. Well, we as women, we think like a plate of noodles. Imagine a plate of noodles. All the noodles are running together, touching. And it's funny because I think if we were, as we talk to each other, Women, what's really fun is women will stay on track with the change of noodles just fine. In fact, Carol and I were having a conversation, and it was like I, I said one thing, and that reminded me of this. So I said that, but then I went back to the other noodle. And Carol, she's just going right with me. But Jackie, because he thinks one subject matter at a time, like we said, m- want you all to know today, remember this phrase, not wrong, just different, Okay. God made us this way. So it's not like our husbands are, you know, oh, they're just, they can't stay up or something with us. They can't, they can't keep up with us. It's not that at all. It's that God made them to think compartmentalized uh, type of thinking for many reasons that are very helpful. And women have this multitasking, everything kind of runs in, reminds us of this, of that, of this, of that. And we can stay with it because we are com- keepers of the home, and we're often multitaskers, and and all of these things have a great purpose. But sometimes when we're trying to communicate together, it's really like, why can't you just follow along with my spaghetti noodles? Jackie and I, um, we have a little phrase for each other when I start to get to, you know, from this subject to that subject to this subject to that, he's like, wait, 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 we're having a spaghetti moment. And that kind of is like a key word for me to remember. Okay, wait, let's go back to the original subject. But that's what we women do. But we have to remember, just like with our husbands, the strength for them to be able to stay in those, those squares is what often allows them to be able to go to war and to do um, some really hard things that, you know, they have to kind of be able to shut off some of the other uh, sides of their emotions to be able to accomplish. And, um, and those are helpful, good qualities. And so when we look at waffles and spaghetti, we're going to talk about the differences, but we also want to always remember that God created us this way because he has a good purpose in it. And so that's, that's the beautiful side of the very different contrast here. Everything that we experience is going to have both a, a strength and a weakness. And every one of our uh, personalities, whatever those things are that we look at as our greatest strengths, have what's called a backsided weakness. It means sometimes we rely too much on that strength and we're, and we're not thinking about how that affects the people around us. Or 
maybe we look at our life and we say, oh, this is a weakness in my life. But sometimes that weakness really has a backsided strength. It helps you in, in certain ways. And so when we see the differences in one another, we need to recognize that as we have those differences, we need to fit together like, like gears, working together, moving forward. We want to fit together that way and say, your strength is, is good because maybe I'm weak in that area. And even though I'm weak in that area, that's going to be an encouragement in your strength because I'll be able to tell you it's okay when it doesn't work out. Because it's, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Here, sometimes in our life, Kathy is very neat and I'm very not. So Kathy keeps things clean, keeps things moving, keeps things all put together. That's a strength that she has. Now, the backside weakness of that strength is she's late everywhere she goes. <laughs> Why is she late everywhere she goes? Because while she's going through the house getting ready, she'll think, oh, no, that needs to be vacuumed. This needs to be dusted. That picture needs to be straightened. This should be done. And then all of a sudden, she's like, oh, my goodness, I got it. And so she's got this that it works in conjunction. Okay. Now, on the other hand, I have a weakness. I'm not neat. If, if I was left to live my way, I, everything would be lost. We wouldn't even know where our children were. <laughs> That's a weakness. Kathy's strength balances that out, and, and she keeps a great house. But when that house is becoming overwhelming for her and it becomes a, a struggle for her, I'm able to come alongside and say, baby, it's okay. It's all right. That's, that's good. I'm not, gonna, I'm not there to try to, to ramrod her into making sure she does everything a certain way. We need to fit together. So I want to say, hey, it's okay. I want to encourage her when she's not able to get it all together. And she didn't have me nagging at her that it's not right. That's how our strengths and weaknesses, our differences, can begin to balance out with each other. That we, we see those things in one another. Now, when we look at our differences, and we were talking about the fact that we communicate differently, right? Guys, usually one subject at a time. And most men have felt, as I did, when my, my wife and I sat down one time to talk about vacation. And so we sat down and began to talk about the trailer. And talking about the trailer reminded her about some things that needed fixed on the truck. And then talking about what needed fixed on the truck reminded her about somebody else down the street who had a truck. <laughs> and, that, and what was going on with them. Now, while she's talking, this is all making sense <laughs> to her. But to me... Picture it like this. She's walking through my garage and flipping all the lids off of all these boxes in the whole garage. And I, I don't know what happened to this and what goes in there. And then all of a sudden my eyes just go. Whoo. Have you seen this look before, ladies? Have you had this moment where you're talking to your husband and all of a sudden you see him pick up a book? Or maybe he just kind of looks off into space, or maybe all of a sudden he just kind of gets up and walks away, and you're going, what just happened here? <clears throat> all them boxes are open. Now, it helps us to realize in a relationship, this is the way we tend to be built. So in that, we need to understand what's going on. She has an opportunity to see that glassing over the eyes and get mad at me Instead of recognizing, this is how God made me, a, a, a compartmental person. And I could get frustrated with her because her thoughts in my mind go all over the place. 
But that's how God made her. And God says the two shall become one. We got to learn to blend that together. And it's not that that's impossible to do. It is very possible to do. It's just recognizing, coming to the point where you recognize, you know what? I married Kathy because I love her. I love that she's friendly. I love that she talks. I love all those things. Now, all those things sometimes bug me. But I got to remember, shocking, I got to remember that I love that about her and that that's what we, that's how we connect. That's how we come together. Kathy and me together make a better whole than the two of us apart. And that's why God brought us together in that way. So there's some, some concepts in regard to that. Yeah, babe. One of the things that we, we um, Jackie and I have always been crazy about each other, and, uh, but, you know, not always so compatible. One of our friends told us once that, you know, you guys are very um, passionate. I'm all, yeah, I think she's trying to say we bicker a lot. <laughs> but, you know, what we really loved about this book, and this is the book I'm showing you here, is Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti by Bill and Pam Farrell, is uh, we discovered this book. A friend of ours was a bookstore uh, Christian bookstore uh, owner and uh, recommended this book to us and you know we thought oh that sounds fun you know let's look into it well, one of the things we really enjoyed about it was this very concept of learning how to um, communicate with each other um, based on our differences because communication is huge but we, are, we want to read an excerpt from the book okay so but one of the fun things is is we're, while we're talking about differences there are some really fun stories in here in this book because this book's a well, really fun marriage book this kind of uh enumerates what we've been talking about, how we talk differently, how we see things differently. In fact, this may come as a shock to you, but actually, sometimes the things we say don't actually mean what we say. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Just in case you never have, men, let me tell you what she means. If she says, we need, she means, I want. (laughs) If she says, it's your decision, she means... The correct decision should be obvious by now. (laughs) If she says, do what you want, she means you will pay for this later. (laughs) If she says, oh, you're so manly, she means you need a shave and you're sweating a lot. (laughs) If she says the kitchen is... So inconvenient, she means, I want a new house. (laughs) She says, I want new curtains and carpeting and furniture and wallpaper. If she says, I heard a noise, she means, I noticed that you were almost asleep. (laughs) If she says, do you love me, she means... I'm going to ask you for something expensive. <laughs> if she says, how much do you love me? I did something today you're really not going to like. <laughs> she says, I'll be ready in a minute. <laughs> Kick off your shoes and find a good game on the TV. <clears throat> if she says, you have to learn to communicate, she means, just agree with me. <laughs> if she says, I'm sorry, she means, you'll be sorry. If she says, do you like this recipe? She means, it's easy to fix, so you better get used to it. (laughs) If she says, all we're going to buy is a soap dish, 
She means, it goes without saying that we're stopping at the cosmetics department, the shoe department. I need to look for a few new pocketbooks. Those pink <laughs> sheets would look great in the bedroom. And did you bring your checkbook? <laughs> and finally, if she says, you're certainly attentive tonight, she means, is sex all you think about? <laughs> okay, ladies, this is for the men. Okay. I got to get in the light, though. Oh, and I, where do those glasses? You can see better than I can. That's those good. are my glasses. I know. I'm borrowing them. One flesh, right? Yeah. Okay, he, what he really means, if he says, I'm hungry, he means, I'm hungry. If he says, I'm sleepy, he means, I'm sleepy. He says, I'm tired, he means, I'm tired. Do you want to go to a movie? He means, I'd eventually like to have sex with you. Can I take you out to dinner? He means, I'd eventually like to have sex with you. <laughs> May I have this dance? He means, I'd eventually like to have sex with you. <laughs> if he asks you what's wrong the first time, he means, I don't see why you are making such a big deal out of this. If he asks you what's wrong the second time, he means, what meaningless, self-inflicted, psychological trauma are you going through now? <laughs> If he means what's wrong the third time, he, sa he really means, I mean, if he says what's wrong the first time, he means, I guess sex tonight is out of the question. <laughs> if he says, I'm bored, he means, do you want to have sex? <laughs> if he says, I love you, he means, let's have sex now. <laughs> if he says, I like the way you cut your hair, he means... I liked it better before. <laughs> if he says, yes, I like the way you cut your hair, he means $50 and it doesn't look any different. <laughs> if he says, let's talk, he means I'm trying to impress you by showing that I am a deep person and maybe then you'd like to have sex with me. <laughs> Seems to be a common denominator among the men. The men Which talk. brings me to the waffle box again. There's it one does. box... If you look at the men's waffle box, there's, it's like a bingo card. And there's one big box in the middle. Can you guess what that big box might be? Sex. And, and actually, somehow they can access that box from pretty much every other box on their bingo card. <laughs> yes, that is the way God intended it to be. <coughs> that... Uh, that's a nice thing when that box touches all the other boxes. Another box that men have that women can't seem to comprehend is the nothing box. The nothing box is a box that men particularly enjoy to hang out in. When the day's done, when all the worries are finished and all the stress is winding down, and he comes home and he puts his feet up, the first thing he does is lift the lid to his nothing box and climb in. And then his wife comes over and says... What you thinking about? And he says, nothing. <laughs> and she says, that thought is incomprehensible to her. <laughs> How can you think about nothing? That's not possible. There's so many things to think about. But we have climbed into our nothing box. I'm actually quite envious of this nothing box. <laughs> because at first when I, when I read this in this book and Jackie said, yeah, I really do relate to this. I was amazed because there were so many times where I was convinced when he said nothing, he was trying to keep something from me, or he didn't want to communicate with me, or he was just being kind of like, go away, I'm, I'm doing something else, or whatever. And I took it as a negative 
response like, guy, why, why wouldn't you talk to me, you know? Because I cannot imagine a world where I have nothing on my mind. I mean, I'm thinking when I'm sleeping. I'm never, I mean, I'm always thinking. In fact, I'm doing dishes and I have like conversations with myself. I mean, I, I mean, I, ladies, am I right? Are we always thinking about something? So it's just, it's just the way we are. But for them, it's sort of a neat um, quality they have, although very misunderstood by us. And so accept that lovely gift that God gave your husband, that he has the ability to park in a nothing box. Amen. <laughs> um, and one of the things that we see, too, with men, men like to spend time in the boxes that they feel the most successful at. And so when we consider the things that, that, that's in a man's world, you look and see where he's focusing his time. In those areas of his life, he feels successful. And so he wants to be in that box. Sometimes it's nothing because it's hard not to be successful at nothing. So we can, we can find success in, in a nothing box. We find success in, out in the garage working on, on a, a car, putting a bike together. The different things that we look at in, in our lives is the... the, the the hobbies and the things that we enjoy doing. And what our challenge is, is to work it out so that a man feels successful in his marriage box and his relationship with his wife. Because when he feels successful, when a man believes, I know how to make my wife happy. I know how to make her feel comfortable. I know how to, to solve this, these issues in our life or what have you, when a man knows that he can be successful there, then he, that's where he wants to be. That's where he wants to spend his time. That's where he wants to focus. And so we want to hopefully provide some opportunity for that. Um, ultimately, our husbands do want to be our knight in shining armor. You know, they really want to be our hero. And one time I um, was really convicted because Jackie was a football coach. Uh, by the way, Jackie and I have been married almost 25 years, and this was probably about 10 or 12 years into marriage, and um, he was, well, maybe a little later, I guess, but anyways, he was coaching football, and he was really busy, and there was a lot going on, and um, I, had, I had just gotten frustrated. You know, have you ever done this where you're talking to some other girls, and you're fine with the where God has you and the way things are going? You know, I, I, I was thanking the Lord that God was using Jackie to minister to these kids on the football field, and he's being used for ministry and all this, and then all of a sudden, I start talking to some of the girls, and they start to go, hey, I'd be, I'd so struggle if my home, my husband was never home like yours is never home. You know, that would really bum me out. I mean, like, don't you ever get any time alone with Jackie? I mean, gosh, he works all the time. Yeah, now that you mention it, I am bummed, you know. And then pretty soon those, you know, those wheels start turning. And uh, so then when Jackie would get home, rather than having our home be a refuge, a place for him to relax, it was more work because I was at the door going like you're never home you're never home you know and complaining and ultimately our husbands they love to see us smiling and happy that is their joy I mean they love to see us pleased and when we're not pleased it feels unsuccessful it's an unsuccessful place for them if we're every time they enter the home we're unhappy and complaining and we're putting that burden on them to fix it and um, so anyways, um, I, all of a sudden I noticed that Jackie was sort of lingering here and there and, and I was going, gosh, it's, it's like he's more busy. And um, then um, my pastor, he was, he really just kind of 
was talking to me and we were talking about, you know, things and he didn't really mean it directly to me, but he sort of said, you know, you know, gosh, if husbands would just know that if their wives made their homes a refuge, um, their husbands would want to be home. They'd feel, you know, they, they wouldn't work longer hours. They wouldn't take more time. And I was so convicted. I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me that, you know what, I'm, I need to help Jackie feel successful in, um, in, in, in meeting my need, in being my hero. And so that was uh, something that the Lord began to use. And we really love this book because it has some really specific things on um, communication that can really effectively help us to be able to articulate what we want to say to each other and really get to the solution. Because problems happen and, the, you know, and, and they need to be discussed, but sometimes it's not the problem, it's how we discussed it. It's how we tried to deal with the problem that messes it all up. So with that, we're going to talk about some tools that this book gives about communication. Soon. No, not yet. Never soon. mind. We are soon. <laughs> well, it just reminded me of something. that When we look in the scriptures, guys, God's very clear on, on what's necessary in a marriage. A lot of people say, you know, I've been to a lot of marriage retreats and marriage seminars and hear people speak. And a lot of it's the same. Yeah. Okay. It is the same. What does the Bible say about marriage? Husbands what? Love your wives. Wives? Submit and respect your husband. You see the one rule each. That's it. That's it. God goes on to say, man, if you don't, if you don't dwell with your wives with understanding and give honor to her as unto a weaker vessel, your prayers are hindered. That means if your relationship's not right between husband and wife, your prayers are hindered. The relationship between you and God is there's blockage. The pipes, the, the communication between you and the Lord are, are, are stuffed up because of this problem in a relationship. This, this understanding. And what we have to decide is, you know what, I'm done making excuses for why this marriage is hard or why this doesn't work, I, I'll tell you right now, I'll save you lots of money on marriage counseling. Here's the deal. Stop being selfish. Start doing what the Bible said. When the Bible said to, to take up your cross daily and follow Jesus, to, to live your life His way, to speak to your husband or wife the way Christ tells us to speak to our husband or wife, to be obedient to what the Word lays out, and we, all of a sudden we discover, you know what? I'm not having all these problems anymore. But when my focus is on me, if the first thought in your mind is, oh, I'm not happy, you're wrong. The first thought in your mind should be, what am I doing to make my wife happy? The first thought in my wife's mind should be, what am I doing to make my husband happy? What am I doing to make our marriage right? I'm not supposed to be self-focused, am I? Show me in the scripture where it says, keep your eyes on yourself and focus on yourself and what makes you happy, and that's going to that's gonna work out for you. No, we're supposed to be other-centered, right? Just like Jesus, other-centered. But when we look at the Bible saying that, the Bible saying, husbands, love your wives, and, and wives, respect and submit to your husbands, we look at those two things, and that can be broad. What does it mean to love? Well, let me tell you, guys. Loving your wife simply means that I need to do the things which are loving to her. 
That doesn't have anything to do with me. So it's not about what I think is loving or what I think she should like or what I think we should do. It's about what do I know is loving to my wife. And the same thing for my wife. When my wife is saying, you know, I want to I be respectful of Jackie. I want to meet his need. And then she, when that is, is her focus, it's not what she thinks that should be. It's what I think that is. And when we do that for one another, listen, the way your marriages are going to improve and grow is by meeting your spouse's most important need in their life. The most important thing, that thing in them, that, that, that part of them, it's by meeting that. It's not by, it's not by trying to change it or trying to inflict it, saying, what do I need to do to meet my wife's need? My wife's need is to be loved. Okay, I can read a hundred books, and I probably have, on, on how to, to be loving to my wife. Or one of the great <coughs> things I can do is sit down with Kathy and say, babe, Tell me, tell me what's loving to you. Tell me what you really like. You'll notice in those handouts we gave you, we got some things in there, some ideas for you to write down, like dream dates. So we got ideas in there for you to write down. Uh, what's the other one? Ten things that you that love. You love mm-hmm. Or that are loving to you. The problem is, guys, somewhere along the line, we got this idea, maybe it was in the movies, that when you really love each other and you get married, osmosis occurs, and you automatically know what they want. Really? How many of you have kids? Tell me how osmosis is working for you. <laughs> when your baby's crying, do you always know it's, that's, a, that's a hungry cry? That's a dirty diaper cry? That's a, I'm just sick of sitting in this silly little swing cry? <laughs> you know, the reality is we have to learn to communicate. It's, I learned that through our son Joseph because Joe never developed those communication skills as... As a baby, when he was six, seven, eight, we couldn't find out what was wrong. He's screaming, and I don't know what he needs. That's pretty frustrating. Some of us live our marriages that way. There's screaming and, and frustration and anxiety, but there's not communication. We're not talking about saying, this is, the Bible says that I'm to love my wife. I, I don't need to just think I know what that means. I need to go to my wife and say, what does that mean? What shall I do to love you? And then I do it. And when the Bible says in, in Ephesians 5.33, let every woman see that she respects her husband. And Kathy says, what's that word really mean? What does it mean, respect? What, what is that all about? Then she comes to me and says, Jackie, what does that mean? And we talk about it. And we let each other know what our deepest needs are. And then we have an opportunity to make it. We can make it work. Because we each know what we're doing. We want to have that kind of an outset. So I just want to give you men and women some ideas in terms of that. And then we're going to talk about communication. Here is the concept for what men want. Any lady that wants to know what men want. What, 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 what men tend to want in terms of speaking about respect, submission, what, what that whole thing is all about. Number one, to appreciate my desire to work. Appreciate the desire to, to work, to go and, and to be a provider for the family. You notice it says to appreciate my desire. Because sometimes 
you go through rough patches, right? And the work's not there. What am I going to do? And, and I feel like my wife doesn't respect me or believe in me because I'm struggling providing for the family. But if she appreciates that desire in me that I want to be the provider, that I want to do those things, then she fills me with strength because behind every strong man there is a good woman taking care, helping him be who he can be. Second thing, appreciate my desire to protect you. Every man wants to be the knight in shining armor. Somewhere along the way, when we're kids, we all dream it. Whether you play cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, whether you, whatever it is, there was always something where you're the bad, good guy, bad guy, and you're rescuing somebody, and the damsel in distress. That's something that God made inside of men. And somewhere along the way, we kill that. But deep inside of us, that story is still there. That story, that concept, that I want to be the one who protects, cares for my family. Third, uh, appreciate my desire to serve and to lead. Appreciate my desire to serve and to lead. Listen, I, I want to serve and lead my family. God's Word lays out that I'm supposed to be the spiritual head of my family. But if when I try to lead, Kathy comes in and says, you know, and, and kind of steps or squashes that idea, I will let her do it. I'll just back up and say, all right. Because I learned a long time ago, I, I'm not, I don't want to bang my head against that tree. But oftentimes I'll have women come to me and say, you know, I just struggle with the concept. My husband's not really leading, taking charge of, of the family. And most of the time, the reason he's not taking charge of the family is because somewhere along the line, when he stuck his neck out, it got clubbed. And he said, well, that's all right. Where do, I want to be where I can be successful. I can't succeed there, so I'll just back off. And I'll let you do it. But if we want to, if we want to be respecting our, our husbands, then we have to respect his desire to lead. And learn how to communicate our differences when we're not trying to go the same way so that we can uh, accomplish that. The fourth thing, and we're going to talk a lot about this when we get to communication, guys, about not fixing our wives. But the fourth thing... Appreciate my desire to counsel and fix. Because the reason I want to do it is because I love my wife. She is valuable to me. I, don't, I forget, we were in, in Highland. Kathy was working at a, at a rental car agency. And every day she'd come home and it was a pretty good job. And it was working, things were working well, making bills, what have you. But... The people there didn't treat her very well. At least I didn't think, but based on what she was telling me. And I remember one day, you know, she called and she said something or her boss was flipping out over something that she did or something seemed unreasonable to me. So I got in the car, drove over, walked in and said, today was your last day. Let's go. You I don't need like, to be here. I felt like that movie Officer and a Gentleman, you know, where he scoops her up and carries her out and puts the white hat on her head. You remember? <laughs> Did you see that? I was like, yes, my but hero. I wanted, to, I wanted to fix the problem for her. Now, I understand that I have to learn to control that. But it's still a strength 
within men that should be appreciated. The fifth thing, appreciate my desire for shoulder-to-shoulder friendship. Shoulder-to-shoulder friendship. Guys communicate different than girls. Just think about it, ladies. When you were dating your, your husband, there were probably times when you went to a basketball game just to watch him. Or you came to watch him play baseball or softball. Or there were things that you just did shoulder-to-shoulder. You'd go to the movies. We'd be like this. We're not necessarily talking, but we're together. Guys are energized by that. You ever see a group of guys get together? Ladies are like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> they sit in a room and watch a football game, holler at the TV. Nobody's really said anything at all. They haven't talked to each other or looked at each other even. And when it's all over, they leave and they're happy. <laughs> but that's, that's a strength within guys. We like to be... You want to see something crazy? When your husband goes out to paint the fence or paint the house or paint a room... Watch how he's doing it, and then go out there and just sit with him. The back gets a little straighter. She's watching me. (laughs) Starts taking a little more care because it energizes him just to have that time. Not time that you need to talk, just time together. Being in the same place, shoulder to shoulder. And the last thing, appreciate his desire for sex. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, something that God intended for marriage, and it's a gift that God gave us in marriage. And so when we look at this, when you say, now, basically all I'm giving you guys is here's a, here's a foundation of things to discuss. And notice, notice the first word of each one is appreciate. Appreciate. Kathy and I, as we were going through doing some of the studies we've done, we came across this word, and I always struggled with 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 helping her understand what I wanted, what, what, it, what, what she could do for me. You know, I, I couldn't articulate it. And then I came across the word appreciate, and it all started to kind of fit together for me. So that enabled me to articulate her, to speak to my wife about, this is, this is what's going on with me. This is what's going on. This is what I need to know. Basically, I need to know you believe in me. I need, I need to know you got my back. I need to know it's you and me till the wheels fall off. And, and even no matter how bad it's going, you still believe. You still believe I can, I can do it. You still believe I can save you. You still believe I can watch over you. You still believe I can provide for you. That energizes a man, and it meets his deepest need. As we look at women, men, what women want, it'd make your wife happy if you grabbed a pencil and wrote them down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to, you, could, you could totally ignore it later, but she'd be really happy because uh, she probably wrote down all those other ones. First thing, what women want, what, what speaks love to our wife? To be close to her. That's basically not the concept of being close to her like in the same room, but being close to her, being Intimate, not sexually, being intimate where you guys are connected, that you guys are drawing near, that you're really coming to know one another, that you're close to her. She needs to know that you want to be close to her. Next, she wants to know that you're willing to open up to her. Remember we talked about guys, they like to be together in the same room not talking. You ever see how women sit in a room where they can see each other? 
They got to be able. Kathy has got to see your face. If she can't see your face, she'll move. She's got to see your face because she wants to open up. She wants to connect. She wants to talk. Your wife wants you men to open up and share those things inside of you that you like to keep in your box all duct taped up and never think about. You want to just duct tape them, forget about it, put it on a shelf. But your wife says, I want you to be close to me. I want you to open up to me. I want you to tell me what's going on inside of you. I want you to tell me those things that are happening. You want to love your wife? Then you have to open up to her. You have to open up to her. Number three, don't fix her. Don't fix her. When we sit down and, and Kathy wants me to be close and we're face to face and, and you know, I'm, I'm really opening up to her. If she shares something with me about how someone treated her, instead of wanting to come to her rescue and make it all okay, I just need to listen. I got to learn to be a good listener. You ever watch women when they listen to one another? <coughs> Fellas, they don't just sit there quiet with that blank look on their face like, in my mind, I'm looking at a watch thinking, is this over yet? No. I want to look. I got to look right in Kathy's eyes. And I'm saying, hey, I'm not here to fix. I'm here to open up. I'm here to communicate with my wife. And I want to learn all those things that I watched her do with her friends. Listen, guys, you want your marriage to really go off in all those areas of your life that we would desire our marriage to be great. And I got to say, I'm going to do this. It's not about me. It's about how do I meet my wife's deepest need? I want to not fix her. I want to spend face-to-face time with her. I want to open up to her. I want to be close to her. I want to hear her stories because I love her. When I say I don't want to hear your story or give me the Reader's Digest version, what I'm really saying to her is I don't care. Now, that's not what we mean. We just mean, I'd rather be riding a motorcycle right now or doing something. But again, that's being focused on me, right? Who am I supposed to be focused on? I'm supposed to be focused on my wife, on meeting her deepest need, not being selfish, but meeting that need in her. So I, I want to come to her and hear her stories and connect with her and care. And I didn't think that was possible. I didn't think that was in the DNA of men. But it is. If I could learn to do it, there's nobody here who can't. I could learn. I actually learned to where when we talk about communication in about three minutes, I actually learned to enjoy it. That's, I want that. Because, I get cranky if I don't have it. Because we, because we use tools, which we're going to share in, here with you, that made him feel more successful at it. We yeah. talked about that successful box. I think part of the reason why he felt um, not really excited about having time to talk face-to-face was because he, it usually ended up where, like, I'd get irritated with him because he wouldn't stop trying to fix it. You know, just listen, you know. And then it became a source of contention between us, and then he's like, well, this isn't working, so I think I'd just rather go do something else. How, do, you know, do, do you guys relate to this? Because I think it's, it's, uh, it's pretty enlightening. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how right. guys what, think. Why would you but tell me? She, yeah. she wants to know how she feels about it. And she decides how she feels about it by talking about it with you. 
And the loving thing is, again, it's not me. It's not focused on me. What, what would make me happy or what would I like to do? It's what's going to help my wife focus or understand how she feels, understand how she thinks. Sometimes Kathy doesn't know whether she likes something or doesn't like something until we've talked about it. And then when we talked about it, she makes her conclusion through that conversation. My job is just to help nurture that communication, to come alongside and say, hey, let's, we're going on a journey, and I'm going to take you through that journey. Well, let me get through these next three, and we'll talk a little bit more specifically about communication. The next three, the fourth one for guys, loving your wife, be a peacemaker. Learn to say three words. I, a yes dear is two words. I am sorry. Let's all try it together. I am sorry. Learning to be a peacemaker. This speaks love to your wife. When there's a tiff, when there's, here's what most guys do. I told you guys will compartmentalize. You'll, you'll have a tiff, a disagreement, an argument, what have you. He will take that argument, put it in a box, duct tape the lid on it, put it on a shelf, open up a box he likes. And then he'll just say, it's, out. it's closed. That box is closed. I'm doing this. Now, guys do that because that's how guys are built. Let me tell you, man, this is what that says to your wife. You don't love me. What are we trying to show her? That I love her. So I've got to learn, though I, selfishly, can put it in a box, and I can never talk about it again, and I'm fine. But Kathy's not. And so my role to love my wife as Christ loved the church means I need to, to meet that need. So when I say, say I'm sorry, I mean that I need to be the one who says, hey, honey, we need to talk about this. We're not okay. Because what I say when I do that to my wife, I say, I love you. I love you enough that, trust me, I don't want to do this at all. I didn't say you had to feel like doing it. I didn't even say you had to be happy that you're doing it. I just say you got to do it. And ladies, when your husband makes these efforts to show this love to you, reinforce it. Positive reinforcement goes a long way. If they feel successful at meeting your needs, they're more apt to want to do it again. The power and, of encouraging yeah. words. Hey, the next one, ladies, or men, to, to express love to your wives and give you a foundation of, of being able to talk to your wife about how these things would, would, would look to her. She needs to know that you are utterly, completely, totally committed to her and only her so long as you both shall live that there is no other. There would never be any other. You have eyes for no other. That stupid comment that it doesn't matter where you get your appetite as long as you eat at home is dumb. My father used that stupid comment. By the way, he's not married anymore. At least not to his first wife. Well, yeah, I guess he is still married. <laughs> Just married to the wrong person. I mean, to another person. So anyways, the idea is, guys, hey... I need to show, if I'm going to show love to my wife, it's just me and her till the wheels fall off and nobody else. Nobody else, nothing else. Speak love to my wife by saying, hey, I'm utterly, completely, totally committed to you. Only you and I don't care about nothing else. 
I want to be able to show that to her. Finally, the last thing, I want to honor her. Honor her. The Bible says to give honor to your wife as to the weaker vessel. Sometimes we as men treat our wives like Tupperware. You know, you get that bowl of Tupperware. I don't know. Does anybody remember Tupperware? Some people are like, I have no idea what you're plastic. talking about. It's like a plastic bowl. You get that plastic bowl and you put your cereal in it. Captain Crunch, because I like Captain Crunch. And you eat your Captain Crunch in the morning. Oh, that was good breakfast. But I got to go. So as I'm walking by the kitchen, I just go, whoop, throw that bowl. And that bowl flies through the air, bounces around in the sink, stays in, two points, and I'm out the door. <laughs> now, sometimes that's how we treat our wife. That is dishonoring. My wife, instead of Tupperware, is China. And if I sit down and I have my Captain Crunch in that China bowl, and then I'm leaving, and as I'm leaving, I take that China bowl and I just chuck it at the sink, what's going to happen? Push. So when the scripture talks about honoring your wife, it means you treat your wife as though she has value. A, a pastor once told me something I never forgot. He said, your wife should be the woman in your life that you treat with the most respect of anyone. If there is another woman in your life that you give more respect to, you're out of line. That doesn't mean to give that woman less respect. It just means your wife should have more. She should have more honor. Not treat her like Tupperware, like, well, she'll get over it. But treat her with care, love, concern, speaking love to her. Now, as Kathy alluded to, then as we understand these things, now we got to learn to talk about it. Here's why communication, 15 minutes and we're eating pescetti. <clears throat> Hopefully. Here's why this is important, guys. Communication. This is why it's important. You've got to set a foundation of how do we communicate day in, day out. I'm not talking about fighting. I'm not talking about dealing with conflict. I'm not talking about any of those things. If I want to learn to do all those things properly, I've got to learn to communicate with my wife. I've got to learn to connect. I've got to learn to open up and share. I've got to learn to be face-to-face. I've got to learn to speak her language, pink. And she's got to learn to speak my language, blue. We don't say the same things, right? We don't always mean the same things. If Kathy says, I got nothing to wear, what does she mean? I, I want, want something, something new. new. <laughs> if I say I got nothing to wear, what do I mean? I got, to wear. Ah, I got nothing to wear. I got nothing clean anyway. So Maybe he wants to have sex with you. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So here's what we want to do. When we, we, this is how we want to learn to communicate with one another. We want to learn to play a little game Kathy and I call Fall the Leader. And that is whoever is starting the time. And we set aside time every single day. My wife needs to connect to me every day. So every day we're going to do it. Now, that I have to, we have to be flexible because sometimes that's in the morning. Sometimes it's in the evening. But every day, we're going to spend time. We're going to talk, just me and her. I'm not going to deal with none of the kids' problems. I'm not going to deal with all the other. I'm just going to connect. And when she knows that, the, the minute we made this decision, nagging in my life disappeared. It was gone. Because my wife knew 
I said, they're still just a little. <laughs> because my wife knew that every day we're going to connect, we're going to spend time together. So we, we play follow the leader. That means as we sit down to talk, we call it couch time. We'll do it at our couch. You can do it at your table. You can do it in the car. You can do it wherever you want to do it. You got to find your way. We do it on the couch. And when we sit on the couch to do this, we know what we're going to do. We're going to play follow the leader. That means if Kathy is beginning the conversation, she wants to talk to me. Then I know she's going to be spaghetti. And so I've already geared my mind up for, I'm not going to freak out when we open 50 boxes because I don't have to pay attention to what's in them. I don't have to, I don't have to fix anything in those boxes. I don't have to do any of that stuff. What I'm going on is a journey. I'm going to go on a journey with her. Right, babe? I hope you pay attention somewhat. Well, no, I know what you're saying, though. But, but what's funny is, is um, as we're talking about this, uh, I th- when we first started doing this couch time at, um, some years ago, it was a long time ago, um, the, the rules of it were, you know, take 15 minutes, you know, set your timer or whatever, sit down and have this time of communication. Uh, it was broad, but we, we started to find, you know, more techniques to help us be more successful at this. But Jackie was afraid because he thought, okay, the timer's set for 15 minutes because if I sit down in front of Kathy and I just let her talk, why, we could be there for days, you know? I mean, that was his fear, you know? I'll never shut up. I could starve up. to death before yeah. we get another meal. <laughs> Because I like to talk a lot. And so he was afraid. So we set, you set the timer, gave them the comfort that, you know, okay, she's not going to be able to talk forever. But what we've, what we've learned is that I think that women keep talking because they can't get that satisfaction of that you're, that you're with them. And so they just keep trying because we're incessant, we women. We won't give up on you. We won't. We are, we're going we're gonna to work it. So we'll keep talking. But what's neat about this, um, as, as Jackie was talking about, when he began to learn some tools about successfully listening, being an active listener, then he found that the satisfaction of the communication was there for both of us. And so it wasn't you know, on and on and on. It began to be fulfilling, where we really felt like we had a fulfilling moment of communication. The idea is that, follow the leader. If I'm... If I'm doing this to connect with Kathy and, and it's this time we're sitting down and talking then I'm going to follow the leader if we're sitting down and, and, um, and it's something that I needed to spend some time with my wife then we're going to stay in boxes and, and can I just Works. add something on yes. that boxes thing we women I think why we do it when they open up one box and we open up six is somehow we because we, 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 we see all these related issues immediately but we're afraid that if we don't bring them up at this time that we've pinned them down to communicate with us, <laughs> that it's not going to get addressed somehow. And so we get impatient, like, oh, well, you know, I've got him cornered here, you know. Okay, so we got to talk about, you know. And just, I encourage you, you know, to, to rejoice in the way God made your husband. Let him be, follow the leader. Let him have that successful moment that you were that you showed love to him or respect to him by honoring that and staying on one topic, you know, and recognizing these things are natural for us, you know, and so when your spouse does something unnatural, you know, dying to themselves and their own nature to, to minister to you, so to say, you know, encourage each other in that and don't be too discriminating if you do it kind of funky at first because it is kind of awkward. 
in the beginning, like we would laugh because as we would talk about active listening, it was really like um, re rehearsed in the beginning when we started practicing some of these techniques. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so basically what we want to do is simply that. So when we sit down, we're going to talk about that. You know, we're going to say, hey, baby, we, are we uh, on a journey or are we st sticking to one thing? Oh, we're going to go on a journey. All right, then follow the leader. I'm going to follow Kathy. She says, oh, we can stick to one thing. Then we, we're going to just focus on one thing, stay in one box. And learning that it's all about giving and taking, that the, the time that we spend each, with each other is supposed to meet both of our needs, you know, as we go through it. But... Active listening was a big part of teaching me how to follow the leader and not fix everything that she brought up. I understood that Kathy, when she'd come to a point, she's not really sure how she feels about it. That's why when I, because I, I would come up to her and say maybe, hey, babe, how do you feel about, and the answer was never simple yes and no, or I think that's dumb, or I think that's great. She would say, well, you know, and off we go. <laughs> why? Because she's connect. that's just how she works. She's going to connect the concepts and her feelings about, about this topic, whatever it might be, she's going to connect them as she goes on this journey. And when we get to the end, she's going to be able to tell me yes or no, or I like it or I didn't like it. But she connects those thoughts, that concept, by going on the journey. Now, remember, we said in the beginning, there's a phrase you've got to remember. It's not right or wrong. It's just what? Different. Different. We're different. It's Okay. Here's some of the, the tools that you can use for active listening. Repeat, review, and relate. If you're talking to somebody, like if you're going on the journey, it's really encouraging, and this works, I think, both ways. If, you, if someone says, Let, let's do our little story, you ready? Are yeah. you ready for our little example? Oh, okay. Okay, so repeating. So I say, hey, I just went to the market and I saw Jan. You saw Jan? Yeah, Jan's pregnant. She's pregnant. She is. She's going to have twins. I'm so excited for her. You're so excited? I am. I, you know, I've been praying for her to have another baby. And oh my God. And now I'm so energized because I feel like he's not just sitting there being quiet. But the more he repeats that last word, well, I'm just, I'm just like, go, go, go. And it's just so fulfilling to the, 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 the talker. So that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. It works so great. You just practice it on anybody, and it just brings out more conversation. She, it's lots of fun. She talks faster, <laughs> which means we're going to get done sooner. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that you can do is to review, um, to sort of say, you know, oh, so what I'm hearing you say is, you know, this, uh, so, you know, you've been praying for uh, Jan to get pregnant. That's really neat that you've been praying for her or whatever. And reviewing it and recapping it shows that you're really hearing what they said, which also encourages that successful communication. Yeah, it does a couple of things, too, because what happens when Kathy goes on a journey, if I don't stay connected to what she's saying, that means I don't put myself into it and, and, and do the repeating and reviewing. And I don't, I'm not, it's not how I talk with other guys. I get that. But if I don't do that in about 30 seconds, I'm not listening anymore. I'm looking at her, but my head is somewhere else. And guys, you have all had this happen to you. And when it happens, just the time you go, man, I haven't been listening, 
she'll say, what did I just say? <laughs> and now we're going to have a fight because I haven't been listening because I didn't stay engaged. Remember, this, this time I'm following the leader. I'm with Kathy. We're not on one subject. We're going on a journey. I've got to stay engaged. And the only way to do it as a man is to put yourself out there. And guys, nobody, no other man is watching you going, lost some man points, bro. <laughs> lost some man points. I'm stripping you of your, of your manhood. It's over. Well, Nobody's here's the watching. other side of it, too. For women, staying engaged keeps us on target, keeps us on the subject, keeps those noodles from intertwining with all those other thoughts that we're tempted to want to bring up, keeps us focused on that subject with them, which also encourages more communication, which makes us feel more connected to them and makes us feel more satisfied because there's that intimacy that we're experiencing with them. And the last one, relate, is just, again, repeat, review, relate. Show her that you're in the, the conversation relating to what she said. She, she talked about praying for someone to get pregnant. You can, you can relate to that. Oh, why? Wow, you know, how did that make you? How does it make you feel now that she's, that she's pregnant? Or she's going to have a child or, or, you know, but you got to, if you're going to do it, don't do it halfway. You come to play football for me, you better strap up a helmet, put on your pads, get on the field and play. Don't talk to me about how good you are. Don't say how great you are. Get on the field and do it. You want to have a marriage connect with your wife? Don't talk about how you'd like it to be better. Or you'd like Go do it. Let's go. Men, we're good at that. We can strap it up and go. We strap it up, step up, and fulfill what it is God's calling us to do. One of the things we liked about the, the concept of couch time is, and like, um, is that um, it sort of uh, gave a visual expectation of successful communication so like we're meeting in that same place somehow uh, be, most of us are visual people or you know we, we look at things we we identify that when we sit here we've had successful communication here and that when we sit here we're going to have successful communication here and then as we're going to talk about in the next session when we have conflict that we need to resolve we know that that sometimes just sitting in that spot kind of redirects us to stay focused on that successful communication within that we discussion. practice the right things yeah and when you're practicing the right things and when you it's like for me the everyday communication is practice it's also for, foreplay yeah well that's by the way a benefit <laughs> um <laughs> but <laughs> oh i sorry get out of that box honey <laughs> 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 the communication box. <laughs> Sorry. You just flung me right out of the box. There was, there was an example of spaghetti and waffles right there. Now I'm in a sex box, and I'm not sure what I was. My point was. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the times, yeah, the times we spend together, just learning to talk and and be friends. That's practice for when later on we have an issue. And the issue to me is the game. And when we do the game, when we play the game, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do all the things I've practiced. If I wait to the game to practice, I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. So my everyday connecting and being committed to Kathy and spending time together is so that I'm ready. So then when we have conflict, which we'll talk about when we're done with spaghetti, but when we have conflict, then I just 
do what we've been practicing all along. And I don't do all the bad things that we shouldn't do. So we'll get to that in a minute. I think we're done. Are we done, babe? Yeah, shall we pray? We're done with this one. We'll pray for the spaghetti, and then we'll eat it. You know the beautiful thing about spaghetti? Big old meatballs. That's the best thing about spaghetti. It's got meat in it. It, it helps me to overlook that the, the, the juice in spaghetti is all vegetables. Juice. But... <laughs> okay, I'm going to go into the prayer box and then we'll eat. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this time we can come together, Lord. And we do lift up each and every marriage here, Father God. And we know, Lord, that you have a, a great plan for our marriage. Father, help us to rejoice in our differences, the things that we see differently, the, the things that we understand differently. Father, that we would recognize one another's strengths that we would be supportive for one another's weaknesses. Lord, that we would look for opportunities to connect and to make meeting my spouse's greatest need my focus day in and day out. That's why we got married. That's why I'm here. So that I can follow the commandment, God, that you gave to love my wife, to make our marriage that becoming of one that you spoke of in Genesis chapter 2. Lord, that you would be glorified as we live in a marriage that honors and respects and loves. And Lord, we pray, Father, that you would help us as we, as we just hold on to, to this information, Lord God. It's not that this is somehow God-breathed, but that it may open up opportunities that we can sit down and discuss, husband and wife, and and find our way, Lord God, find our way to, to being one, to that unity that you call for in marriage. Lord, as we now spend this time in fellowship and, and enjoying spaghetti, Father, we just ask, God, that you would, uh, Father, bless the meal and bless this time. Father, bless the word that you brought to us this morning and that which you have yet to give. And God, that you would be glorified as we seek to honor you in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let me check on how this is going to work. Oh, would you just put the papers up here on this table when you guys come up for your spaghetti? That's them papers. That you, remember them papers you were filling out? I heard it come out You just tell me about it later, brother. Thank you, brothers. 